This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Welcome back to Sunday Focus. I am being joined in the studio with Wendy Dooley. Wendy, she is the marketing director with the Helpline Center. And Wendy, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. It's so great to be in person again. I know. You know, last year we were just talking about this. You were actually over the phone with me and it occurred to me just the other day. I haven't talked to Wendy in a little bit to see what you guys have going on over there. And finally, it seems like we are seeing the light at the end of this tunnel but before we get to any of that let's talk about the helpline center for anyone who isn't aware please tell us more about your services it's always changing as we know it is it's a constant evolving situation but we've been around um, we kind of started our, our home our home base is in Sioux Falls and in 1974 um, was the evolution of the beginning of the helpline center and in the early days um, we answered phones much like we do today however we they were answered by volunteers so many folks were answering phone calls from home or potentially coming into the office to do that now we've completely evolved and grown from that to a 24-hour seven-day-a-week mm-hmm. um, you know helpline for people to call in when they need support um, we also have our suicide prevention and crisis support programs and we also do a volunteer connections program so we're all about bringing volunteers together to the nonprofits to make sure that all of those needs are met as well. This is probably a broad question, but how many people do you think benefit from your services alone? Well, we would like to say the whole state, um, <laughs> but we we can quantify a little bit of that because anytime someone calls into the organization that's tracked, and so last year in 2020, we um, served over 100,000 people. What other programs would you say you, you offer? Or more specifically, what are people looking for when they call you? So oftentimes, um, people call us because they aren't sure where to go. Um, and what I mean by that is if anyone is struggling with something or even if they want to make a donation to an organization or get connected to an organization, um, 211 is really that um, front front door to the nonprofit world. So we, what I really love about what we get to do is that we're really here to support all of the nonprofits in our community. So if someone wants to get involved or get engaged, we can help. Or if they need help, we can connect them and make those referrals and um, help them get the resources they need. I was happily reminded just talking to you a while back that you guys are approaching your one year anniversary of being a statewide service. That that's really exciting for you guys. Oh, it's been amazing. And for those for those um, individuals in our organization that have been a part of the organ- organization longer than I have um, or have been connected to it, it's even more exciting because it's been a long, hard-fought battle, if you will, to um, really find those counties that need support. And a lot of times previous to it going statewide, they would have to find those dollars in their own budget to make it work. And so all of the larger counties in South Dakota 
have had 211 before July 1st. But some of those small rural communities really just couldn't afford to have access to it, but really could utilize the service. So through a Senate bill, we were able to get that passed. And July 1st, everyone in our whole entire state now has access to 211. So how does that change your I guess you can say your foundation for the Helpline Center now that everybody in the state does have your services to use. You know, it just makes our jobs easier to do, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. because, you know, often with our marketing and our promotion, someone might have heard about 211 in a county that we weren't live in. Mm-hmm. And so then they'd call in and we would certainly provide support to them. We wouldn't just say, oh, goodness, you're not in our community or you're not in 211. <laughs> um, so we would support them and help them. But by having the entire state, that just helps us be able to provide resources and assistance to those who need it. And, you know, rural communities in particular might not have, you know, we're really fortunate in Sioux Falls yeah. that we have just an abundance of nonprofits and resources here to support our community. But in smaller communities, that's not the case. But in today's world, especially, you know, one of the silver linings, and there are several of COVID, was that many organizations figured out how to do their work remotely and how to help people without having them come in. So even if someone needs support mental health wise, um, there's so many more telehealth options right now for people to get that support. And we think those things will continue, even though we're opening back up and, you know, able to support people in person again. But there's just ways for people to connect and get engaged no matter where they are. And we'll definitely talk more about how COVID impacted the Helpline Center and just the community in general. But one other aspect that I like about you guys is that you provide various volunteer opportunities throughout the community, especially when we face turmoil. And this was really true during the 2019 floods, the tornadoes, the winter weather and all that stuff. Now, what can people do around the community with you guys when those natural events do occur? Yeah, so it was really interesting. When I started at the helpline, we hadn't responded to a disaster since the ice storm in 2013. Wow. And so disaster support wasn't as a huge part of our organization as it is today and has been for the last couple of years. So um, what's fantastic about being a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, um, you know, hotline for people to call in, if you will, is that we can quickly deploy um, help and resources to people immediately. So we don't have to set up a phone call or a system. We've already got it. So what we can do is, again, help connect those people to the needs and then also help those with those needs. So, for instance, with the flooding, we had just a lot of people calling in, letting us know um, they needed sandbags or they needed help um, with some clean out of their basement. And so we were able to kind of track all of those things and then also recruit volunteers and then match them up and get those things connected. So anytime, you know, regardless if it's a disaster or not, there's always need in our community. So our job really is to help make those connections. So my friend Miranda and I, she came up with the idea after those floods happened that we should go out and volunteer. And Mm -hmm. we did. And we did help someone, multiple people in the community move out some of their stuff from their base 
basement from their apartment. And, and it's just shocking what devastation those areas did face during that flooding. And you could just tell from the look on the homeowners' faces how appreciative they were of just having someone come in and help them. Would you say that when people do call in, they do tell you, hey, we really do appreciate this. This is what they all did for us. And we couldn't thank them enough. Yeah, that's the beauty of what we get to do. And because of where we live, people are very um, warm and kind and want to support and help others. And mutually to that, Mm -hmm. people um, call us all the time and say thanks, you know, for what you were able to do. And um, those people were heroes to me or, you know, we get we keep track of all of those things. And so when you're having those rough days, which we all have, Mm -hmm. it's fantastic to look over those things and just see how grateful people are for that support. What are some other volunteer opportunities that the community can participate with the Helpline Center? Yeah. So right now in the summer, which is probably not surprising to anyone, um, most nonprofits do their fundraiser events during the summer because we try to pack a lot of stuff in in. (laughs) um, when the weather is cooperative to do so. So we would encourage um, and you can search that through our database. So we have a database that keeps track of all the volunteer opportunities that those nonprofits let us know about. Um, But getting involved as a volunteer with just the countless events that are happening Mm -hmm. in our community would be real helpful because they're a big deal to the nonprofits that have them. And then um, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. But food um, has been a big need in our community Mm -hmm. throughout COVID um, exponentially more than it's ever been before. And so still currently there is help needed um, to pack those meals into boxes and things like that and then help distribute that. So, again, we have those um, options and um, opportunities available through the helpline. So you can call 211 or you can search our volunteer database for that. We'll definitely talk more about that. Wendy Dooley, she is the marketing director with the Helpline Center. Now, obviously, you guys have fundraisers to hold you up together. So what are some of those fundraising events that do happen throughout the year? So we kind of have three um, hallmark events every Mm -hmm. year. Um, Our Step Forward to Prevent Suicide, which was just held recently, um, is our largest fundraiser for the Helpline Center. All the funds raised for that go to support our suicide prevention and crisis support programs. We have um, the Helpline Open Golf Tournament, which we hold at Willow Run each year, and that's in July. And then um, we have our Spirit of Volunteerism Awards, which is a fundraiser and recognition event every spring. Well, those are always fun events. I can't golf, but I yeah, can, wa- neither can, I can I. watch people golf <laughs> yeah. and, and do it for a, a great cause. I'll say that. Now, you already talked about the suicide prevention walk that recently happened, and it just happened in person since something called COVID happened last I know. year. It, speak about last year, it was difficult. We'll talk more about how it was finally great to be back mm-hmm. in person. But for the first time for many people, isolation was at the fore forefront of someone's mind. So Mm -hmm. we could not be around other people. You know, it was tough for some people to really understand and grasp that concept. And this pandemic especially affected people's mental health. So let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic. How did the Helpline Center respond to this crisis? So we saw almost an immediate increase in phone calls um, as news started to report about cases of COVID um, and such, both 
in our state and across the country. And, you know, at first, the calls we were receiving were of great concern um, and folks just wanting to feel some sense of support um, and, and get some answers if we could. And unfortunately, especially in the beginning and maybe still even a little bit today, there was just a lot we didn't know. Right. We didn't know how it spread. We didn't know what the incubation period was. You know, I mean, there was just a lot since it was such a novel virus that we just didn't know. So our role early on and continued throughout was just to be that um, empathetic listening ear on the other line for when people were stressed and just needed someone to talk to about it. Um, and then we quickly evolved um, to a partnership with the South Dakota Department of Health, and we answered all the phone calls over the last year that came in on that information resource line through the Department of Health as well. So I wouldn't say by any means that we became COVID experts, but we certainly stayed as close to the information and the facts as we could so that we could really support and help our state. I was going to say it's it's tough when people call you for help Mm -hmm. when now you're dealing with the pandemic that nobody knows what it's all about. So how did it feel for you guys to kind of switch a mindset of, okay, we know what to say as opposed to, oh, we really don't know what's going on, but we can at least be there to Mm -hmm. listen to that person on the phone. It was a big stretch. And um, it was something that I have to say, I'm I'm always immensely proud of the people I work with and how quick they are to adapt um, to whatever the needs are in our community. Um, And all it was an all hands on deck. I mean, every single colleague of mine, including myself, was taking shifts answering those phone calls. And so it really opens your eyes to the importance of just that community feel and just having just a calm listening ear sometimes is really what people need. But it was really tough. And there were several times where people wanted to kind of get in the weeds about the the virus itself. And that's when we would have to make those referrals to their healthcare provider or to a medical expert. And right. so we were always re you know reiterating to people that that's not what we do. We are not medical experts. We're here to provide you what information we have about resources. And then often Oftentimes, if people were struggling with COVID within their home, they maybe needed help getting groceries delivered Mm -hmm. to their home, or maybe they were unable to work. That was significant early on, especially for people who worked in the service industry, because so many people just went from earning to a complete shutoff because so many things shut down. So our role was to really um, help provide those resources to people that call and let them know what's there to help. You guys are a 24-7 service. Mm -hmm. So when everything in the office was moved to, hey, let's have everybody work from home, how was that transition for you guys? You know, it was bumpy to start, but I think... We, along with many organizations, figured out, you know what, we're we're pretty good at figuring this out, yeah. working from home. I think that's, again, one of those silver linings that came out of this. Um, we, we utilized technology. We did a lot of Zooms and Teams meetings and things like that um, to stay connected. And, you know, we made it work. I will say I returned back to the office in July mm-hmm. of last year, so almost a year now. And it, it's so much better for me personally to be oh, in the office because um, there's so much you just aren't kind of abreast of if Mm -hmm. you're not there. And so um, we rejoiced when we could return and we were safe. We wore masks and we did all the things that we needed to do. And then the moment we could all get vaccinated, we we certainly rushed to do that as well. How did your team adjust to the new normal? Because like I've mentioned, they're used to helping others adjust. And when it's their own life now, Mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, 
okay, what would I say to myself if I'm calling into the mm-hmm. helpline center? Yeah, you know, and that's a really great way of thinking about all of our interactions yeah. is kind of the, the what would we want or what would we expect. Mm-hmm. It was tough because I, I really worried about a lot of my colleagues who spent their 40 hours plus a week on the phones all the time because they themselves were scared. They themselves were worried. Um, you know, fortunately for us, we didn't have to worry about our jobs like yeah. a lot of people did because we needed, you know, we were needed and we had a lot of support to be an essential service. Um, so we at least had that issue kind of resolved for us, but it's tough. It's tough to support others continuously. Um, so we talk a lot about self-care. Um, we try to do, we, we brought in lunches, you know, which a lot of times were donated by really fantastic people that wanted to support and help. Um, there was so much food around our office. It was obnoxious at times. So it was like kind of nice when things started to simmer down a little bit. Cause it's like, this is not good. Like there's a reason they're calling it the pandemic 15, yeah, right? Really? <laughs> I can relate to that. We we had a food lingering around yeah. the office every now and, that's, and again. In the Midwest, especially, like that's how we show love. Yeah. You know, like let's bring them food or let's bring them something, you know. So we're super grateful for it. But so we just did what we could to really just provide support to each other and try to laugh when we can because yeah. unfortunately what we deal with a lot of days is pretty serious mm-hmm. so try to find some humor and fun in the day. Now you already mentioned this one number of how many calls you received within the last year but from the time COVID started to oh I don't know maybe end of May beginning of June of last year how many phone calls would you say you received in that time period yeah so um, monthly um, April of last year was our largest month of phone calls and we, wow. we took about 11,000 phone calls just that month Holy and cow. for comparison prior to the pandemic an average month would be about 4,000 calls oh my gosh so significant difference yeah. in volume and the tough part about what we do is that a phone call could come in on two one one um, and then the next call could come in on the Department of Health hotline and then the next call could come in on the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline which mm-hmm. is another um, phone number that our staff is trained to answer so there's really a lot of pivoting and um, you know our staff really has to kind of go with the flow and, yeah. and really be accessible and available to whatever that caller might need. So it's been a crazy time. So when you had callers call into your services, what were the top reasons that they were calling for? Besides saying, hey, we're in COVID, was mm-hmm. it more of like, tell me how to navigate this new normal of just adjusting with not going outside with people. Maybe someone lost a job and all of a sudden they're realizing what am I going to do with my life? And now they're thinking thoughts that they wouldn't normally think of before. Mm -hmm. So the biggest need that we saw out of the pandemic was food. Um, which I think is surprising to some people yeah. because I think that they might have thought mental health was the number one. And it's it's real close. Um, it's the third highest um, need that we responded to. But there were people that were impacted by the pandemic that have never been impacted by a natural disaster or a job loss or anything in their past. So 
I guess what what kind of came out of COVID was that anything can happen to anyone and yeah. life can change in an instant. And so um, thankfully, again, our community and our state responded to those food needs and quickly put together additional opportunities for people to get access to the food. Um, but we saw about a 500 plus percent increase from 2019 to 2020 in food requests. So it was a huge, huge difference for us. And then housing was a big issue for people as well, um, not being able to afford their rent because, again, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they were in a service job and they didn't have employment to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even mortgage and utilities were problematic for people. So like here in Sioux Falls, um, through the help of the mayor's office and many other generous partners, we were able to deploy the one Sioux yep. Falls fund um, that really made a huge impact to help people. And unlike most programs that have specific income requirements, you know, where most middle income people wouldn't qualify, the One Sioux Falls Fund was, are you struggling to pay it? And have you been impacted by COVID, your income, and you qualified? So there was a lot that we could do to support people right away, which was great. Wendy Dooley, she is the marketing director with the Helpline Center. Now, people still are struggling with the need for food. So when COVID started to where we are right now, what has the Helpline Center done or what have organizations done in order to fight this food insecurity that we're facing? You know, um, just a lot of support from the community and just really being um, specific with what needs there are. That's what's great is like, you know, most like Feeding South Dakota, for instance, they're, they can say specifically like these are the air, like these are the specific groceries or these mm-hmm. are the specific things we really need. And people stand up and respond. And sometimes it's individuals do- that make those donations. And sometimes it's, um, you know, businesses that, you know, have eggs or milk or things like that, that they could make those donations. And so we foresee that that's going to continue for a little while. It's definitely backed off. It's mm-hmm. not at the level it was a year ago. Um, but it's taking time, you know, for people to kind of build back up. So, yeah. you know, hopefully most people that were unemployed have been able to return to work and find employment. But, you know, if they've, you know, gotten rid of all their savings or maybe they didn't even have a savings to begin with, they're really, it's going to take some time to kind of dig out um, from this last year. Now, we can take a lot of things away from this pandemic. You just said it earlier. We are all vulnerable to something. We're not immune right. to, to anything in life, really. And also, probably someone can learn, hey, maybe I need to start a savings account mm-hmm. or, or some sort of a cushion to mm-hmm. have for backup. What can you take away from this pandemic? What did you learn out of it? You know, um, I think I've always been really like I've lived in Sioux Falls for over 25 years and I've always been really proud to be from here and um, to live where I do but that just grew um, in this last year to just see how people um, helped each other and got creative with how to support one another and um, just really use their generosity for good Um, I also think that um this one of the biggest things for me this last year was just to really take a pause um, and prioritize what's really important and um, we got a lot of one-on-one time in our family that we probably wouldn't have had had the pandemic not happened I had a senior in high school who was a 2020 grad so everything shifted for those seniors last year very quickly without without warning and we got so much quality time with him that we never would have gotten without a pandemic so we're super grateful for that too. 
extra year before he went off to college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Parents love that. I know. (laughs) And I think he would say he did too. If he doesn't fully know it yet, he will eventually. (laughs) It depends on the day. Eventually. Give it time. Yeah. Give it a few more years down the road. Now, also with you guys, Mental Health Awareness Month, it just passed. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, the discussion of having mental health is critical, about mental health Mm -hmm. is critical. And some people are still struggling with talking about mental health and don't always feel comfortable with even bringing it up. And what you guys just had, it was that suicide prevention walk that kind of brings up the uh, conversation mm-hmm. in a comfortable setting. And and talk about how great it was to have people in person again for that event. Yeah, so the moment we had our event at the Raven Amphitheater this year and just a beautiful space that overlooks the river and just to see people start to come together and congregate and give hugs and you know, that's it's a it's a fundraiser for us, for sure. But it's really much more than that. It's a community of people that are survivors of suicide, which in in the suicide world, a survivor is someone who has lost a loved one or someone close to them. And unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that have been personally touched by suicide in some way. And so there's this comfort and community that comes when people can come together with like similar situations that they've been through. Um, So that support and that hope and healing that happens in our event is something that you just can't replicate online. It's it's just best in person. So it was great to be able to come together and and be together. But we also offered the event virtually um, through a live stream option, which I think we'll continue to do at some level. Because what's fantastic about that is then all of a sudden family members that live out of state mm-hmm. can now be a part of our event. And we had people from Washington State and Florida and Colorado um, to into our event. So we're, we're excited about that. Now, obviously, with the walk that just passed, you got to keep on having these conversations. We do. And how could someone who knows someone that has mental health help that person? I'll, I'll say my story, for example. I've been best friends with my friend from back home for years since grade school. And she, over the last couple of years, she has developed some some mental health and, and whatnot. And she recently revealed to me that she doesn't feel comfortable all the time telling me about what's going on because mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be a burden. And I tell her, I say, hey, like, it's okay to call me. It's okay to mm-hmm. talk to me about what you're feeling and what you're going through. And I may not understand it right now, but I'm at least here to listen. Mm-hmm. So So if it's someone like me or anyone else who's going through the same thing with a loved one, how would you tell that person to to help that person? You know, the biggest thing, especially if you have a trusted relationship with someone, is to ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I have had the opportunity in this role to hear from suicide attempt survivors. I've had um, plenty of opportunities to learn from people who have lost loved ones to suicide. And and beyond that, not all people who die by suicide have mental health concerns. Mm-hmm. So um, we want to make that distinction as well. And the biggest thing is, especially for those attempt survivors, is that if one person would have asked them, like, um, are you having thoughts of suicide mm-hmm. or are you OK or, you know, is there anything I can do to support you? And again, it has to be a trusted relationship. Mm-hmm. So you can't just walk up to random strangers on the street and be like, 
are you okay? Mm -hmm. Because they probably won't be honest with you. But if you have those trusted relationships, that's what's really important. And, you know, just noticing changes in people. So if you're really connected to someone and you notice that there's extreme changes in their behavior, whether they are sleeping all the time or they're not sleeping much at all, or they really weren't much of a drinker, but now all of a sudden they're drinking excessively or just those extreme behaviors, those are usually red flags that there's potentially something more going on. And, you know, I think the most important thing we need to do as a society is talk about mental health Mm -hmm. the same way we talk about physical health. So I'm a cancer survivor and everybody will talk openly about cancer survivorship Mm -hmm. and cancer, but let's have the same conversations about mental health. Let's pray and support people who are going through those things. And, you know, I've seen an improvement in discussions, but I sometimes Mm -hmm. feel like I have a little bit of a skewed view on that as well, because I'm connected to that community. Mm -hmm. So I just think the, the more open that we can be and, and not have to be stoic and strong all the time. Break the stigma. yeah, Yeah. That really will change things. Absolutely. And, you know, now more than ever, something else that we can take away from COVID, it is important to connect with loved ones and to just take a moment and be like, hey, how are you? Seriously, how are you doing? Because mm-hmm. that one question can literally change a person's life. And, you know, if someone that you know is struggling with mental health or is struggling just to have someone to talk to, what is the phone number to call for the Helpline Center? So if you're a local statewide um, South Dakota residents 211. However, 211 is a resource in about 95 mm-hmm. or 96% of the country. So, um, but for South Dakota, everyone has that here. Um, there also is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which currently is a toll free number that's kind of long, so not always super easy <laughs> to remember. Yeah. But that's also a number that our staff here in South Dakota answer. And what I think is so important, especially in today's world that's so automated, is that there's still a phone number where you get a live person. And not only do you get a live person, you get someone who's a local expert on what resources there are available. So the call can be simply just you know, someone listening, but if there is a need for a mental health counselor referral or greater needs beyond that, that's what our staff is trained to do. So 211 is a great number to remember, um, but we help much more than mental health. So anytime you're just uncertain about where to go or where to refer someone to go for help, 211 is the number to call. All right, Wendy Dooley, she is the marketing director for the Helpline Center. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Christine Manica and you've been listening to Sunday Focus. Please join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio Town Square Media Sioux Falls.